Hi everyone, Gareth here. Just to let you know that if you'd like to support the production of the Music Room podcast, you can. Just head to musicroompodcast.uk slash support or click the link in the show notes. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to the Music Room. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Music Room, the show where I chat with composers, songwriters and musicians. It's been an amazing year for the podcast and the community. Considering it only started in February of this year, that's amazing, uh, the guests on this show have been so brilliant, so generous with their time, their stories, their advice, and I'm grateful to all of you. Thank you, guests. I've also been blown away by the community that's grown around this little show so much so that I now think of the Music Room community in the centre of it all and this podcast and the newsletter as things that feed into that community. If we're talking New Year resolutions, my intention is to grow and nurture the Music Room community next year. In this episode, I'm going to welcome the first EP Makers group that happened through the community and in 2023, you're going to see other opportunities to help each other through specific challenges. So watch out for posts in the Facebook and Instagram groups for more about those as they get closer. And that's just the start. There's so much that can be done to build on what makes the Music Room community great already. So let's see what happens, eh? As I mentioned about the EP Makers group, today's very special guests and I have had a great time in the last few months. And I'll get on to why. But first, music stories. Emma Thompson might just be the busiest woman on the planet. Not only is she currently promoting the Matilda musical film where she plays Miss Trunchbull, uh, she's also planning a musical stage production of Nanny McPhee based on the 2005 film that she wrote and starred in. In an interview with The New Yorker, Thompson revealed that the musical, in which she intends to write, co-write the lyrics and direct, is scheduled to open in the West End in 2023. The stage production has music by, drumroll please, music room guest Gary Clark, and is said to have a Victorian punk sound. That sounds really exciting. Gary, best of luck with it. Can't wait to hear what it sounds like. Further information such as dates, venue and creative team will be announced in due course. Ooh, and here's a blankety blank for you. I asked the Music Room Facebook group, if I could invite three musical people to my dinner party, dead or alive, I would invite blank, blank and blank. So, Joe Gendel says, that's a hard one. I'd have to say Iron Audi, Jacob Collier and perhaps Daft Punk, Neil Bruce, who's a guest on today's show, Bruce Dickinson, Nico McBrain and Doug Pinnock from King's X. Bit of a heavier one there. Uh, Rod Williams, who's also a guest on today's show. Lennon, Les Dawson and Dolly Parton. <laughs> Absolutely stunning. Can you imagine sitting at that dinner table? Who would you invite? Come and join the Facebook or Instagram group and tell us. Or email hello at thesoundboutique.com. I thought for the last episode for 2022, I would invite five people on. Why not? Would have been six, but alas, one person wasn't available for very good reason. So, the EP Makers Group. Back in August, I was on the weekly cuppa and chat we have in the Music Room community. 
And I was reflecting that as I'm working on a TV series, it had been a long time since I'd gone into the studio with no brief, no direction, and just created, just to see what would happen. A couple of people on the call said the obvious, well, just do it then. <laughs> it seems so blindingly obvious now, doesn't it? Uh, but later that day, I set aside an hour to do just that. And it was so freeing, so creatively satisfying that in the next couple of days, I threw the gauntlet down for the community. Of course I did. Did anyone want to join me in writing, recording and releasing their own EP by meeting regularly and giving each other support and advice? The EP Makers Group was born. And I'm glad to say that fast forward to now, and most of the EPs are released, there's new music in the world. How cool is that? It wasn't even for anything. It was just for the sake of creating something new. Today's guests joined me on the challenge, and during the chat you'll hear excerpts of their tracks. So I thought, as I was part of the group, that I'd share a bit of one of my tracks. My EP, Inside the Signal, turned into a reflective piece about going down digital rabbit holes and how that can affect who we are, how we act, how we might lose ourselves in the process. In a moment we'll hear from the EP Makers group, but first here's a section from the first track on my EP called Portal, where we've gone through that digital gateway from a pretty analogue sound before to find the digital delights on the other side. Here we go. Rod Williams, Dan Watts, Mike Langley, Neil Bruce, Jonathan Vincent, and me, aka the EP <laughs> Makers cohort, Autumn 2022. Welcome to the Music Green. Hello. 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 How are you all today? Fine. Fine. Oh. Noticeably absent, actually, is Owen Kelly, who is otherwise engaged this week, but we wish him all the best. So, what's been going on? <laughs> well, I feel like I feel like we've uh, now it's been released. I've, I've done my homework. It's all been done. I've got there on yeah, time. It does feel yeah. a little bit like that with deadlines and things, doesn't it? Um, Didn't have to use the excuse of my dog eating my EP, <laughs> <laughs> which could have been a good title. Yeah, that's next year. That's next year. Yes, we'll definitely do it again. So the challenge was to make an EP. This was back in August, wasn't it? It's four months, pretty much four months ago. Which seems like a long time. But the challenge was to make an EP by 1st of December. And as we went along, you know, that deadline wasn't a kind of a really hard deadline. It'd be great if you could do it. But even if you ended up with 80% of a, an EP by the 1st of December, that's also great, isn't it? I don't know, uh, Jonathan, you are nearly there with yours. And by the time this podcast goes out, let's see. <laughs> let's see if it's there. <laughs> um, I'll try and put uh, links in the show notes for everybody. So... Like I say, it was pretty much four months ago that we started this. Rod Williams, you were a straight yes at the time and set up the chat group for us all to communicate with, which was great. What did you hope to get out of doing something like this, apart from a fine EP of beautifully crafted songs, of course? 
<laughs> I think I've done this sort of thing before in uh, another forum. This was years ago. It was a forum called Six String Bliss. And um, we used to do albums around a theme. So you don't have to do one track, but it would be like a blues album or a Christmas album or something of that nature. And it worked pretty well, but it was, you know, very formulaic in that you, you had to do a blues track and they wanted it to be 12 bar blues. They didn't want it. Didn't want you to go off on your your own tangent sort of thing. This is a nice community of people who you know are of a like mind, and it's something that I saw working, but that could work better, where you're allowed your own sort of your own space. Yeah, there was definitely a, a, a kind of an appeal to the finding your own voice, wasn't there? You know, we've talked about doing maybe themed EPs and things like that, but this really, it became apparent. It wasn't really part of the challenge, but it became apparent that everybody wanted to kind of dig deep into their own personal experiences, didn't they? Yeah, very yeah. much so. And there's something that ties the EP group to this podcast quite nicely, actually, and that's how personal and, and introspective you've all been in making them. Mike Langley, you decided to go back to your school music room to yeah, make yours. Yeah. <laughs> um, why did you want to do that? And how did that actually work in a production sense? So it was a real kind of like formative time, I guess. It was all that starting high school and it was first discovering the guitar when I went to high school. I remember the, the very first music class, they passed instruments around for us all to like touch and get a sense of, and they uh, passed this god-awful guitar around. It was terrible. We used to call it the spoon. It had a whammy bar in it, which had obviously broken at some point, and someone had like welded a spoon to it. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was an awful, awful piece of crap. Trademark. But, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but but the the second I touched it, I thought, oh my god, yeah, this is this is it uh, for me. I want this. So I uh, immediately went home and told my parents, and they acquired someone's acoustic guitar from their loft, which had two strings on it, and that was uh, that was me starting. I don't think I realised a guitar had more than two strings for about six months. So. <laughs> was having a spoon on it uh, a compulsory thing, or were you open to other guitars? No, no. Actually, actually my first, uh, I have to sort of congratulate myself sometimes for the fact that I stuck with it because I had to take the guitar to school. Didn't have a case or anything like that, so it was normally like a a quick save carrier bag or <laughs> or whatever. But but the guitar had hearts like carved onto it as well, and it was. Uh, you know, it was the subject of much ridicule. <laughs> when I was at college, I went with my first bass guitar, but it, I didn't have a case for that. But I used the cardboard box that it came in, <laughs> which Amazing. became tattier and tattier over time. <laughs> and I was standing at the bus stop once and it actually slid out the back of the box and under the bus. <laughs> I had to dive under the bus. I mean, no thought for my personal safety, but I had to dive under the bus to get it. It was okay. It was fine. Two bumps and scratches. Amazing. But yeah, yeah, it was it was just those first kind of few years. That was when everything came rushing in, all the inspirations and discovering different guitar players and stuff. And, you know, that sort of uh, hearing the, the capability of it, but not 
being able to quite get there because you're not quite miles away from getting there. Uh, But you knew it it could do it. And I remember just, you know, I used to spend so much time just staring at the thing and thinking, like, how? How do you (laughs) how do you get around that thing like that easily and that quickly? And, uh, you know, in the music room at school was where all that happened. So the whole thing is kind of like just a look back to that. And it's 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 what I, I may have had in my head back then yeah. and what, what I sort of dreamt of being able to play. Uh, you, were, you were really careful about the sound as well, weren't you? Using certain reverbs and things. Yeah, yeah. Just tried to sort of set it in that environment. So there's a bit of sound design and stuff, so it kind of takes you around school a little bit. Uh, but then it, like the final track of the album is pulling out of school and into, into the future, oh. <laughs> so to speak. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> Dan Watts, fellow Making a Soundtrack host, and Hello. I hope you don't mind me saying uh, super synth nerd. Not uh, at all. Not, not at all. I think. Your studio's full of them. Um, yep. One of your tracks, in fact, includes every piece of, well, at that point, timestamp, every piece of hardware in your studio. Yeah, I, I did get another one shortly after. <laughs> did you manage to get that in? or No, no, I, no. I gave myself the, so I gave myself this stupid task of, I don't know why. Each track had a different task. All the tracks were based on some sort of title that I'd come up with. I always write them down on my phone. I've got like notes full of them. And it's just a, an easy starting point. You can sort of get a title and go, well, okay, that, so the, what is the music for that title? So it, it was all based around that. And one of them was Death by a Thousand Paper Cuts, which is the second track on there, which came from, I was having a conversation with, a friend of mine. In fact, I was just passing his house and he was outside washing his car at the time. And, you know, you just sort of have these little chats. And he was talking about the rise of streaming services and how everything's $4.99 a month now. And you can't watch anything or do anything or, you know, software, whatever you want to be buying is now on some sort of subscription service. And he just said, it's death by a thousand paper cuts, isn't it? And that just stuck with me. And then when I came to do the track... I'd found a, um, on one of my hardware sequences, there was, which is just all knobs. So it was just this random sequence on there. And, I, and I, I'd hit the wrong button in the computer and sent it to a synth I didn't mean to send it to. And uh, it just sounded cool. So I thought, oh, that, that's cool. That's the start of it. And that's a nice happy accident. Uh, happy, yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> um, the title of the EP. Exactly. And and so I went with it. And then I thought, well, it's, if I'm going to call this Death by a Thousand Paper Cuts, I should probably try and use every single piece of equipment that I have that makes noise and try and fit it on there somehow, which is what I did. Jonathan Vincent, you had the recent trauma of your kids leaving home, didn't you? And uh, you've mentioned making your EP has been 
quite a cathartic experience. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I mean, they actually have left a while ago, but but it's oh, taken a while to get used to it. Still um, raw. Although my, my daughter's just finished; she's just graduating, even though she's not living with us for a while. So yes, it was that kind of how to deal with sort of like the situation we're in now, but looking back to the past and what it was like, you know, when I was with them all, you know. So you know, but it wasn't that, like this idea. I must do this. It started off. Mm. I just thought I've never written a prog song and, and I love prog music. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll start doing that. So I did the complete thing of just trying to just write some stuff and then do some chords and then try and find a completely un the, the most unrelated chord and then start the next bit with that. And, you know, so eventually oh, wow. I kind of got this, this structure together and then I thought, oh, I could do some lyrics. I just thought, oh, tell me more. That sounds like a good uh, title. And then out of that became the idea of telling kids stories, you know, bedtime stories. And I thought, oh, okay, right. So I do that. And then that became the hook to hang uh, the whole of the EP on, you know, there's uh, um, bedtime stories, singing lullabies, playing hide and seek, um, and then sort of leaving. <laughs> but yeah. each, the tracks will tend to have that sort of like a, a fast bit. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then an introspective, like, Okay, fast forward to now, you know, what's going on now and, and, you know, like, oh, I'll miss this when they're gone and that kind of stuff. So it sort of switches between time frames, you know, yeah. but it has been cathartic, actually. It's, um, it's been a very, been a very good experience to do. And a real collaboration with other members of the group as well. I know Mike and Dan, you've guitarred on Jonathan's uh, EP. Yeah, they basically uh, each draw on the short straws and do two tracks each, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Jonathan, you've been uh, drumming on one of Mike's tracks. Was it just one that you? I, I did on? some drumming on one and a bit yeah. of a bit of massive organ on on oh, that. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which yeah. is amazing. So, so that's another another Dan, real plus of um, doing something like this. Yeah, uh, Dan yet has yet to tell me what I have to do for him in return. Yeah, I'm keeping <laughs> that in the back pocket. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't was, know. I was so harmonica. <laughs> I was so pleased to have you two doing it. It's just, you know, it just lifted everything massively. And, you know, so pleased. It all sounds great. Now I'm so, so glad that I've got you guys on it. So, mm -hmm. oh, thank Amazing. Neil Bruce. Hello. Mr. Found Sound. No, I won't I won't go down that. You actually sent in your music story to this podcast when we got started, and I'll include that episode link in the show notes because it's really interesting. One phrase that sticks out in your music story that totally makes sense when you listen to your EP is that music is sound and sound is music. So I was wondering how you settled on this ephemeral data streams idea and what was your production approach to it? Okay, so I was really really grateful that this whole thing happened because this year has been a bit tough and it was getting towards the end of the year august and it's like i'm not gonna be able to put anything out that's mine this year or do anything for me without motivation so this was the you know the real motivation to, to get something done 
uh, because, you know, I've been doing a lot of writing for other people, you know, library stuff. It's like, yeah, I just want to do something purely for me and go wherever it goes. So very similar to Mike, I was thinking back to my youth and the enjoyment and pre me playing guitar, I used to noodle with synths and we had a, a synth at school and I used to lose myself hours just, you know, making, I guess, interesting pad sounds, recording on tapes, doing tape loops, that kind of thing. And I was like, I was so happy. <laughs> and uh, it's like, I, I felt like I wanted to, to revisit that. I didn't want to do anything on the guitar. Uh, and put that aside for a change and just explore some kind of sonic world. At the same time, I'm doing a lot of kind of Dolby Atmos mixes at the moment, which this isn't, there is going to be a, an Atmos version coming out. Oh, wow. But I like the idea of just exploring space. And then I took some kind of, I guess, pseudo political view on the fact that, you know, everything is just data at the moment floating around and what happens to this data, uh, all our, our lives, our memories, even this, you know, this is technically data that will one day either yeah. exist or uh, not exist as it f moves off into the ether. And what does that sound like? So I took, yeah, I took a completely different approach. I really didn't really want to do anything that was too harmonic, melodic or rhythmic. Uh, I guess took some influence from Aphex Twin um, and selected ambient works. The idea that there's kind of rhythm there, but it's not an obvious rhythmic idea. And I also set myself the challenge of using, well, found sounds, <laughs> but also uh, kind of processing. But I tried to do processing, which was not just, oh, let's just stick some reverb on. I, I used a technique by a guy called Alvin Lucier. This is my voice in a room. So I would record something out into the room so let's say a, a voice and then you just keep re-recording it so what you end up with if you do this like 30 times or you end up with just reverb of the voice so the voice just disappears completely you lose all the transients of the voice you end up with these weird what? effects of the room so that was one of the things that i did and um also got the old tape machines out yeah, did some tape processing and just tried to do some interesting things. So it was a relief as well. I think that, that, that kind of gives cathartic to just do something which is purely, I don't want to say experimental because I hope it's not weirdly experimental. I hope it's listenable as opposed to being. Oh, it certainly is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but something that I just enjoyed doing and something for me. I think you probably speak for all of us in that respect that, um, yeah, I mean, for me personally, that was my reason for doing it. I, I wanted to be able to come into the studio with no brief, no agenda and just make a noise. And, you know, as Jonathan was saying, it took a little while for, for that theme to come out. And once you get the theme to your EP, then you're away, aren't you? You're, you're up and running. So yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. So. Rounding things up, this is the Music Room podcast, and I ask all of my guests to leave an item and a piece of advice in the Music Room for others to find. Even though there are six of you, that's no exception. Let's go round then. Rod Williams, what item would you like to leave 
Well, are you going to leave a strat? Because uh, if you can't do it on a strat, you can't do it. That's uh, that's what I've <laughs> learned over the last forty years, basically. If you need, if you can't do it on that, you can't do it. Or I would leave an album, and I'm I'm, I'm undecided as to whether to leave ABBA Arrival, either ABBA Arrival or Queen's Strike Operation Mindcrime, which are Ooh. completely different albums, but both awesome. I'm going to go with ABBA Arrival because it's like the first album I actually owned. Okay. So it gave you that inspiration. Yeah. I mean, again, if you can't do it with ABBA, you can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And what advice would you give anybody back then starting out in music? I think it's something that I've learned from this group, which is if you surround yourself with good people, with good intentions and with a positive energy, you're likely to come out of it with something positive at the end. I mean, it doesn't always work because life gets in the way. But, you know, we've sat around every Thursday morning for half an hour having a chat about what we're doing and kind of why we're doing it and doing a playback and everybody's having a listen and giving you some, maybe some advice on what you could do better or what was good and what was, you know, what could be improved on. And I think, yeah, being with positive people. That's great. I love that. Surround yourself with positive people. I'm just going to go around my screen as it is. Mike Langley, what item would you like to leave first? Can I leave an open mind? Is that uh, acceptable? (laughs) I'm doing the head exploding uh, emoji. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And and that kind of ties into the advice, really, which was... uh, I just I remember distinctly sort of growing up with like loads of different genres of music in the house anyway. But they were they weren't connected until I went to high school and the, and our music teacher who was just fantastic and changed everything for me. Uh did a lesson on classical music which was greeted with a big from everyone. Uh and then he blasted into the Star Wars theme. And, and for some reason, it just had never connected. Even though I had the Star Wars score, it never connected with me that I'm, it's there. I'm listening to it all the time, you know, and the consumption of classical music is like unbelievable. Uh, you know, e- even now it's not even a, you know, it's not gone out of date or anything. It's it's everywhere. So it's, uh, you know, it's so it's an open mind to just listen to anything and not even music, just weird noises things make. There's a fantastic shop in my town and the till makes the most incredible sound, which is like really rhythmic and quite melodic at the same time. Just every time they open it, it's like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like the um, cyclist courier in Spaced. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, but all these all these things can serve as an inspiration and you could just take these tiny little nuggets of sound whether it be uh you know different genres of music or something melodic that comes out of opening a door or dropping something on the floor whatever it is and uh, and just develop it and develop it and develop it and you know just keep open to the idea that's fabulous thank you mike dan what item would you like to leave well this is again it's a very difficult one and i bummed and hard about it Still are. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's it's difficult because obviously I'm a guitarist first, but I'm surrounded by synthesizers. So do I put something that I think is extremely useful from that in? Do I put something weird that I own in? Or do I put something like 
uh, a four track cassette recorder, which is what I think I'm going to go with because it's, it's not a computer, but you can record yourself. You can record, you can overdub and overdub and overdub until it becomes noise. Um, and then do something interesting with that. You can record up to four different things. So it gives you, it gives you the ability to hear yourself. It gives you the ability to construct a song. It gives you the ability to orchestrate to a certain degree. It's just a really good way of learning without being totally hijacked by your eyes, which is I watched a documentary recently and I can't remember the name. There's an engineer and she was she done loads of research into how the brain and hearing works. And basically when you're using your eyes, that takes up all of that highway directed into your brain and it actually hijacks your hearing to make sure that you're stood upright and level. So you're wow. not listening properly because you're using your eyes. So when you shut your eyes or you're not using a screen, then possibilities are open. So Okay. So does that form your advice then? Or is it the advice? No. Of, have you no, my advice, an extra bit of advice there? That's my to... advice, yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> my, my advice is to just do it. Okay. Because just release stuff. Get stuff out there. Don't get preoccupied with how fantastic it's got to sound. It doesn't have to be the best composed piece of music. It doesn't have to be the best produced piece of music. It doesn't have to be the best recorded piece of music. What it has to be is something that you're happy with and then just get it out there. Yeah. And again, a little bit of a mantra of this group, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. To, to, you know, get off that ledge. And yeah. Just I think we all, we, I think we, every single one of us needed that. We needed yeah. Just that tiny little push to say, actually, do you know what? You can do it. Go. Yeah. Dan is uh, currently prancing around a studio like Sheila Buff, shouting, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> Arnold, just do it. <laughs> Out. Get to the chopper. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Dan. Mr. Found Sound, Neil Bruce. Uh, sorry, I, I did, it's just going to stick now, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> what item would you like to leave, first of all? I, I was also debating uh, between three items, and uh, one was a four-track, so we've already got one of those, so I can I can leave that one behind. One, bizarrely, was an iPad, because okay. I've been using... There's so many really strange little apps for the iPad that are just really cool for making weird bits of music and so that was a bit of a, a find for me but i'm gonna go with it has to be the field uh, recording. <laughs> the field uh, recording. and not because of the found sound thing because uh, this is something i've been talking with students a lot quite a lot recently it's like once you've got one of this you can like uh, everyone mike was saying you know you can make anything you're not limited you don't need to have all latest plugins all the latest synths you can have a lot of fun making your own sounds and what that gives you over synth sometimes is it's yours and the sound has a story with it as well that you can tell someone it's not like i just selected patch 87 in omnisphere it's like you know i went to mike's till and i recorded the till. It's, it's a bit more engaging than the story about how the track was put together it's, it's also something that is of interest i think when you hear those little stories absolutely brilliant and so what advice would you like to leave in the music room Probably going to echo something Mike said as well. So I, I had a really bad music teacher, but then I had a really good music teacher. And actually, I think 
I would definitely say she was totally responsible for my path in life. And it was a day that she played us a piece of work by Steve Reich and John Cage. And that's when that realization of like, oh, music is sound and sound is music. And it, there's so much you can explore with that. So that was important. Listen to, you know, follow your gut. And maybe I didn't follow that as much as I should have and went off and did other things that maybe I wasn't as good as, or maybe I should have followed my heart a bit more. But most importantly, I think this is what this has done for me is even in these kind of getting much older as well it's like actually i don't care now don't really care if no one likes what i just produced because actually i do (laughs) (laughs) and so there's one fan and i think you know that doesn't apply to everything that i'm going to do obviously because i never get any other work but i think that the, the thought of making something which you know if you're fully invested in it and you're a fan of it to begin with then not overthinking it, not just going with what you want to do, perhaps will produce something which you're also more into and believe in a bit more. I thoroughly agree with that. The other thing is that if you don't believe in it, then no one else is going to believe in it. Yeah. I've definitely done that in the past with things and, you know, you're not, you're not happy. And as you said as well, Daniel, you end up layering things as well and you're like stripping things away and just don't know where to go. And yeah, you- it's a catch 22, isn't it? Because if you do something that you think other people might like, then you're not going to produce something that is truly your own voice. Fantastic this advice. Is great. This is Sorry. what we're doing with the, uh, the EP thing is, you know, we've, we, we've been doing something we like and we don't care yeah. any about anyone else. Yeah, we don't because, care. Because <laughs> I think for me, I only, you know, it's been 20 years since I've actually written a song you know, just written a song for no reason is other than yeah. just a song. Um, and everything else in between has been because it's been commissioned or, you know, you're actually a library album or, you know, and there's someone above you going, well, I don't like that bit, you know, and there's only you. And now the supportive team of uh, the people going, yeah, suggesting maybe you should do something else. But actually, it's not like a top-down thing, you know, it's a peer-to-peer thing which is yes it's it's been a friendly accountability but ultimately you make the decisions for your own project don't you that is fantastic well we've come on to to jonathan what item would you like to leave in the music uh, well yeah i'd forgotten to do my homework and work it out but i i, I <laughs> my feet sort of a couple of things um well i think the item and the advice are kind of linked actually so i think the item that i would leave in a music room would be another person's instrument and their permission to play it. <laughs> it's getting profound, aren't they? Well, you know, when, when you're sort of, you know, I had a fantastic music education. It was brilliant. You know, I had loads of opportunities, but you would always see other people's instruments and, and uh, you thought that there was some massive secret about how to play their instrument. You know, it was like this kind of, oh, I don't know how to make a sound on an oboe or, make sound on the violin and whatever you know it's like this is my club and you can't enter it you know and i think that might have been perpetuated a bit by by us when we were kids you know so you don't know how to play percussion or you know that kind of thing so um so yes actually someone's saying okay here's my viola pick it up and have a go and you can uh, hit my drums thank you i think that's uh, would be a good thing and that leads to the the, the other bit of advice is i would say Try and learn as many instruments as, as you possibly can. 
because then you get the perspectives of those instruments and how to play them. But also it's really fun. So, you know, I was doing my two things really, uh, percussion and, and piano, but I never really played anything else until later life when I got given a saxophone that I, <laughs> I got, got given a saxophone by someone who went off to become a Buddhist monk and had to get rid of all of his uh, worldly possessions. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> true story. <laughs> the first ever time I tried it, I was teaching in a music service and I got it out of the, out of the box and put the mouthpiece on. It was just going, screen, 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 screen. <laughs> and then the friendly, friendly clarinet teacher said, yeah, you have to turn the mouthpiece 180 degrees round and then you might make have a chance of making a noise. So, you know, <laughs> but that's the kind of secrets that you wish you'd have known years ago and played someone else's saxophone. So playing music and playing lots of different musical instruments and being in different environments is fantastic, you know, and I've only realized in later life that I should be doing more of that. So that's why I'm currently trying to learn better guitar, uh, well, much better guitar, violin and clarinet. Oh, and chromatic harmonica that is looking at me. So, yeah, and it's so much fun to, to, to actually do that. And then you can sort of engage in music from lots of different perspectives. Fabulous. That's great it's, advice. You're I saying blow someone else's trumpet, basically. Always. <laughs> Badoom. Um, just, sorry, just before you, that documentary I mentioned is called The Psychology of Analog. Okay. Uh, and it's uh, Julie McLarnon, who's the engineer. What channel is that on? Oh, you can get that on YouTube. On YouTube. Okay. If you can send me a link, I will chuck that in the show notes as well. Yeah, will do. And I will definitely be running the EP Makers group again, plus other little guided challenges. We've already talked about other possibilities. So if listeners are interested to join in, just come and join the Facebook group. And it's been a joy chatting with you all. Let me go through again. Dan Watts, Mike Langley, Rod Williams, Neil Bruce, Jonathan Vincent, the EP Makers cohort. Autumn 2022. Thank you for joining me in the music room. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Gareth.